Are there nerds here tonight? Nerds! You are a part of the lucky 10,000 with your hosts, Evan. They all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. And Carissa. Not hot in spite of being a geek, but because of it. Being a nerd, it's not about what you love. It's about how you love it. Hey guys, this is Evan. Hey, I'm Carissa. And welcome to the Lucky 10,000, the podcast that proves anyone can be a geek about anything. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> and uh, before we get into the main subject of today's episode, which we call, say it with me, Nerd Rage. We should uh, really make an audio for that. Like we really do need to. Well, you thing. can do that because I can't. Have okay. you heard the audio for the Bearded Once podcast? <laughs> <laughs> It rocks. What are you talking about? It does rock. Fuck yeah. Anyway, um, so this episode is is obviously way later than this actually happened because we had a sufficient backlog of episodes to start uploading them. But the at this point, we know for sure that the network is live. The network is official. This podcast is on Stitcher. Rock and roll. Um, Carissa has done the honor of creating uh, a Twitter for us, which you already knew about. But what I find funny is since I'm usually the one running the Bearded Ones podcast <laughs> Twitter and Carissa is usually the one running the Lucky 10,000 Twitter, we seem to have engaged each other as if we don't know each other, but are extremely supportive of each other's podcasts. <laughs> Except when we're giving each other shit. Then yeah. it's like we totally do know each other. Yeah, but we don't say we know each other. So people no, are just true. like, ooh, they might not like each other. We should totally start a fake feud. No. No no feuding. On <laughs> All right, the fine. Anyway, uh, the reason I bring this up is because uh, we are so deep into this now, we sometimes forget until we actually go back and listen to them, the things that we've already talked about. And the first podcast episode in which was a beautiful miraculous wonderful 40 minutes of shitting on m night Shyamalan. well you know what you know what though it wasn't completely shitting on 35 minutes of shitting on m night Shyamalan. um i was gonna tell a story that i never told well tell it now well the story is about inappropriate theater responses because i was asking you because you are a reactive person uh, if you get reactive in a movie theater when you're watching a movie, and right. you, trying to be a polite person, said, not typically, I don't want to disturb other people. Right. I'm usually that way, too, but um, I do have an inappropriate theater reaction story, and lots of times, you really try and avoid that in a very full movie theater, mm-hmm. but everyone's been, like, you know, the fifth person in a movie theater before, Yes. Where it's just the movie's been out for a while, or nobody gives a shit about the movie, and it's just you and a couple of other people. And with your, when you're with friends in that situation, it becomes even worse. So me and a couple of friends went to see, a long time ago, a movie called Hardball. Okay. I don't know if you remember this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do? Yeah. Okay. Basically, Bad News Bears with Keanu Reeves. Um, except it was, okay, Bad News Bears crossed with, the, with Dangerous Minds. Throw in a little sprinkling of Keanu Reeves. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Keanu Reeves gets a lot of shit about his acting, most of the time pretty fairly. But I have never really had anything against him per se. I happen sure. to, I mean, I love, I love Neo, so I can't hate Keanu Reeves. <laughs> you know, Bill and Ted, fine. Yeah. Um, but he's not the best. And when he's bad, he's really bad. Yeah. And so, basically, the plot of this movie, he takes over an inner city. He's forced to coach for an inner city Little League baseball team. And there's this one cute kid that goes through the whole movie. And, of course, in order to make this reasonably light movie take a seriously dark turn, something bad happens to the kid. Of course. And he's this this adorable little kid. And But they all live in an inner city where there's a lot of gang violence and things like that. But what we had noticed is that, you know, you as a former actor and me as a current actor know that you make choices. Yeah. And at the very least, even if it's not a great choice, you have to respect the ability to commit to that choice. Yes. Keanu Reeves' choice in Hardball, if you go back and watch it, is to constantly use his arms at odd times. He flails wait, wait. a lot. 
like an I don't know what to do with my hands sort of choice? No, it's definitely a choice as in I am doing something with them. It's not like a I don't know where to put them. It's like I'm going to put them somewhere by God. But but is it the choice to not know what he's doing with his hands? I honestly don't know. Okay. Uh, it seems very definite as if he thought it out. Okay. <laughs> we noticed a lot of raising his arms above his head very stiffly and awkwardly and robotically. Okay. So we started placing bets on in every scene, you know, how long it would take him to raise his arms above his head. Okay. Now, at this point, there's only three of us in the middle section of the theater and two people, I think a couple way in the back. So we felt pretty comfortable getting a little rambunctious. Sure. And every time he would put his arms up, we would chuckle. Okay. So comes the moment where this poor little kid, this adorable little boy, uh, you hear, you don't see it, thank God, but you hear that on his way home from their big victorious baseball game, he gets caught in the crossfires of gang violence and is shot to death. Okay. Supposed to be a very touching, compelling, sad moment. Absolutely. So you cut from him winning the baseball game to his funeral, where Keanu Reeves is now delivering his eulogy. Okay. And explaining the story of this boy's last moments and how his last moments must have been the happiest in the world because he slid into home and then and Keanu Reeves shoots both his hands above his head as if he's riding the Superman ride standing up and you know said score or something like that we busted out laughing (laughs) I mean we thought it was the funniest thing we'd ever seen and when it quieted down all we heard from behind us was (laughs) <laughs> these oh. two people were so emotionally invested in this movie. And, and you're like laughing at this around. little kid dying. We're laughing at the little boy's <laughs> funeral as far as they're concerned. Oh. We almost wanted to be like, no, no, no. See Keanu Reeves with you, his arms. You yeah. Didn't, you didn't catch it. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that was the inappropriate theater response story. I have Let's never had like a totally inappropriate theater response, but do you remember the movie Evolution? I never saw it all the way through. Okay. It was not a great movie. I heard it wasn't. We Awesome. Me and Z and our friend Heather went Mm -hmm. to see it in the theater. Just the Heather that I know? Yep. Oh cool. And you you know Heather and me, when we get together, we just feed off each other and it becomes this infinite cycle of giggling. Yeah. Especially back then when we were all young. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So back in the olden times when yeah. we were all young whippersnappers. When we rode our horses there and tied yeah. them to the hitching post before going into the picture house. So we went in to watch Evolution, like, not expecting really anything. But for whatever reason, it set us off early with the giggles. Uh-huh. And it just didn't stop making us giggle and so we just <laughs> well kept, at least and it, it was is a that funny way. movie it's supposed yeah. to be a funny movie right yes okay. it's totally a comedy it wasn't at all inappropriate and right. there were probably six people in the theater right. so we weren't really disturbing anyone but by like three quarters of the way through the movie we were laughing so hard that we couldn't not be kneeling on the disgusting <laughs> movie theater floor yeah. like we couldn't stay in our seats we kept laughing ourselves out of them yeah which that movie is funny, but it's not that it's not, well, funny. Well, it's not it funny enough you, to warrant to that. So much. I don't even kind of remember. I don't know. It just started early, and then it wouldn't stop. That's hilarious. And so we're just almost literally rolling on the floor of the theater, and the couple of other people in the theater were like... They hated you. Uh, no, they, I think, enjoyed it a little bit more because that, that level of laughter is inherently contagious. Sure, that's true. But I think that we did distract from the movie. Luckily, yeah. it wasn't really that big a deal because it wasn't right. an amazing movie. But that all right, we to need be to Orlando your... Jones's big like. Sort yeah, of it was. Movie. It was his first really big, co- like main comedy but, role. You know, I'm glad he's on Sleepy Hollow now. But I wish he would have done better, so we could just say, "Hey, this is our guy," because he's from Malden. Yeah, I know. Anyway, all this is just a means of distraction because I'm worried that today's nerd rage, I'm going to hulk out at some point. Like, if at some point during this podcast you just hear and clothes ripping 
and and objects being broken and thrown about, just do me a favor and call the military. I don't want to hurt anyone. You'll be fine. Do you have a stress ball or a pillow? Um, not close to me, but it's okay because we're going to get through this together. Yes, I will be here for you. Um, and it's not that every nerd rage is going to be about movies, but no. you're, I'm going to put, I'm going to set up today's nerd rage like this. Imagine that your hatred for equilibrium, mm-hmm. okay, pretend that equilibrium was a movie that you saw when you were younger and meant a lot to you. And then okay. someone disassoci- sort of associated with that movie took it and made it what it is now and then showed it to you. Okay. How much okay. more would you hate that movie? Like, it, they didn't change anything. It's the same movie. But no, no, they no. Just... They changed it. Oh, okay. They, so they remade it. it. was great. No, they took the original and fucked with it until it became what it is now. So, like George Lucas did with the um, to an extent, yes. Okay, but, but I assume more. Oh, much, much more. Okay. See, here's the thing. I am all for artistic freedom. I believe that artists should be able to express themselves however they see fit. Certainly not be censored or 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 have a studio look over their heads and say, yeah, that's a great artistic choice, but we don't know if it's going to sell. Which is why, you know, and we will get to them eventually, the prequels, as much as they did fail, you can at least say that is George Lucas's failure. It was yeah, no he, one else's. He did that to himself. He did that to, to himself. Yeah. Because that's the risk you take as an artist. Now, if you are an artist who's, let's just say, riding the coattails of the one good thing you ever did in your life and decide to fuck it up, that's different. You're disclaimering way too much. Just tell me what the hell you're talking about. I'm trying to rage, get there. Rage I'm on me. I'm trying to get there. Well, we've already discussed the movie, sort of. You know I'm a big fan of horror movies. And yes. one of the most influential movies in any genre, one of those rare times when a horror movie goes outside the horror genre and becomes influential and smart and legendary and scary and all those other things and sure. literally starts basically its own genre. Okay. Night of the Living Dead. Mm-hmm. We've discussed it. Uh, we know my love for it and George Romero. Um, George Romero has been the driving creative force in all of his zombie movies, for good or ill, because not all of them are great. I can't stand Diary of the Dead for the most part. Because, you know, as sometimes happens, people get to the point where if they are artists who like to have a message, then sometimes they feel like they end up just having to hit you over the head with that message. Where, you know, sometimes in some of George Romero's later works, the zombies might have well have turned to the camera and said, I represent media. Yeah. So his failures are his own, but he always has something to say. Now, take a look at some of the other people who did the original Night of the Living Dead with him. His producers at the time, John Russo, Bill Hinsman, who played the first zombie you ever see in Night of the Living Dead, one of the most memorable influential zombie performances and you do have to perform to be a good zombie you know these are the guys that helped make the most legendary horror movie of all time sure. so what do you do if you help make a great movie and then have no other ideas of your own well first off you make a bunch of shitty b movies like not even laughably bad b movies featuring bad special effects bad <laughs> acting mm-hmm. casting your buddies And if you're Bill Hinsman, especially, whose one claim to fame was being the first and one of the last zombies you see in Night of the Living Dead, continue to play basically that same zombie for your entire career into your, I don't know, 60s. Um, At some point, I guess what they did is they said, you know what, we still have a, a hand in this Night of the Living Dead thing. We still have our hands on some of the rights. Let's check the legalities of what we could do. Hey, that movie's almost 30 years old. Huh. Hey, we still do have creative rights to that movie, don't we? Huh. Hey, we're desperate and have no discernible talent anymore, need money, and are fame whores. Huh. Hey, I know. 
we can take the original Night of the Living Dead and re-edit it and change the music and film new scenes with our buddies. Okay. And then, oh, Bill, you're one of the most influential zombies in the history of zombie films. Why don't you join us and replay your role in the original Night of the Living Dead? Okay. You know, 30 years later. What you get is the DVD Night of the Living Dead, the 30th anniversary edition, which George Romero had nothing to do with. Okay. And in which the movie Night of the Living Dead begins with this very creepy, almost otherworldly music and a car long drive through a cemetery that I'll be honest, when I was a kid, thought was extremely boring. So I'm just like, get to that flesh eating. <laughs> but it really helps to set up the remoteness of where these characters are. You get okay. to meet these characters, and then the horror sets in pretty instantly. Instead of that, let's have a couple of redneck truckers, played by a couple of our friends, film them in black and white with a plywood coffin in the back of their truck. Then let's have a funeral, which is one of the most sparse, awkward funeral. I don't even think they dug a grave. I think in this they're world, they're just standing in the just, cemetery. They're just—I don't even know if they were in a cemetery. I don't. It's been so long since I've seen the movie. I actually had to look up the finer points of how awful this is, okay. and I only saw it once, and I can only handle seeing it once. But some of those images are burned into my brain. What I remember is people in a field where you didn't really see any other gravestones, standing around a very flimsy plywood coffin, giving a eulogy for this man who uh, was, you know, apparently in life an awful person, just a murderer, and, oh, we're glad he's dead. Keep in mind, in the original movie, he had no backstory. Sure. His backstory was, me zombie number one, me want to eat you. You know, that was pretty much his motivation. So wait, there are people attending the funeral of someone everyone hated because he was an awful person? Yep, there's only like five of them. <laughs> but they're and, there to say that he was there. an awful person and they well, hated him? The preacher that they cast, because the other thing you do with a movie is when you have your main characters that all interact with each other, a good idea is to add a new character who has nothing to do with these other characters, and you never see them together. Because this happened 30 years ago. Most of them are either old and don't want to do it or dead. Okay. So the preacher becomes the new character in this re-edition of Night of the Living Dead. And he looks like, he actually kind of looks like the devil himself, because he's that classic, you know, bald, goateed, okay. might as well be standing above a train track with a girl tied to the rails, twisting his long mustache. And he's very violently hellfire and brimstone. But, you know, look at the preachers in The Exorcist. You know, look at the preacher in, in Red State. Who was a very hellfire and brimstone preacher, but he also, you know, had more than one note to play. Right. These people are terrible. Okay. And you are much harder lots of times on acting than I am. Yeah. When I watch an actor, I let a lot get through, as long as it doesn't involve constantly putting your hands above your head for no reason. <laughs> um, and so this guy is just awful, just bad. So they all leave. And the two redneck, stereotypical redneck uh, grave diggers start to dig the grave. And, you know, you know what happens when there's a zombie apocalypse, right? And you've constructed this really shitty little plywood coffin for somebody to be in. And Yeah, he just comes he, right out of it. And eats oh, yeah. You don't nail the coffin lid down or anything. It starts to wiggle and slowly gets pushed off because, you know, a child could push the lid off this thing. Certainly wasn't your Kill Bill Volume 2 constructed coffin. No one had to learn the five-inch punch to get out of this one. Right. And who should be inside but Bill Hinsman? The now 30 years older. The now 30 years older, pretty slightly heavier, uh, not nearly as tall and lanky and creepy like a spider as he was in the first movie, climbing out of the coffin. Okay. 
Then you cut to the opening scene that we're all familiar with, with the car driving through the cemetery. Keep in mind as well that the black and white you're using to film this movie does not look a thing like the old film stock they used to film the original. Does it look like they um, desaturated color film? No, I think they actually shot in black and white. Okay. But they didn't use the same cameras, the same film stock, the same anything. Okay. It would be like watching Gone with the Wind and then cutting to you and your friends in their living room filming a scene with Scarlet's sister, whom you never met in the original. On a digital camera. On a digital camera, exactly. Not even attempting to age the film at all. Just, well... It had this. It's color. Gone with the Wind was color, so nobody will notice the difference. <laughs> so that's what we get at the beginning. Okay. Now, to say that this takes so much away from what made the original great, and the original's not a perfect movie. Some of the acting is just downright bad. Yeah. But the the atmosphere that it created and the slow dread that it created and. You know, I've told you how I feel before about sure. attempting to give a backstory to a psychotic in the movies. Usually it doesn't work. Yeah. And now you're giving a backstory to a zombie. A zombie, yeah. Like He is probably in the film, in the actual film, no more than 10, maybe 15 minutes. Tops. Tops. Because once he chases the main heroine into the house where the rest of the movie takes place, you see him every once in a while after that. He's one of the zombies that does make it to the end. He doesn't get shot in the head. You never see him get shot in the head, actually. Which I guess was inspiration for these guys to go, hmm. He's not actually dead. Yeah. I'll bet the audience for this movie is wondering, whatever happened to that guy? Yes. You know, who cares about the powerful, disturbing ending that even, you know, hints towards race issues? I bet people want to see what happened to the first zombie. Yeah. He was very compelling. He was. Well, he must have been because Bill Hensman played a zombie in several of his buddies' cheap films and basically tried to recreate. You know, sometimes you just can't recreate such a wonderful performance. It's like Anthony Hopkins trying to go back and play Hannibal Lecter again. You just can't recreate magic. Sure. You really can't, especially when you're old and fat. And you weren't old and fat at the time. Yeah. Maybe middle-aged, but still very skinny and lithe. So throughout, well, and they also decided for some uh, ungodly reason to change the soundtrack of the movie at the beginning. So instead of this dark, foreboding, you know, what's going on, what's going to happen, it's synthesizers. I mean, you, you almost expected to have like Van Halen in their 80s heyday jump out from behind a gravestone. You're kidding me. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Go ahead and jump. Go ahead and jump, Barbara. Yeah, it's it's bad. So here's the thing. I'm when I watch a movie of whatever type, the things that I look for and Mm -hmm. wait are different than like it's everybody weighs. Yes. Priorities in a movie and how they enjoy it differently. Yes. So for me, your acting has to be good. Mm -hmm. Like it. It has to be. Sure. I, I give very few passes for bad acting in movies. Well, and I'm not saying that you should no, no. not give. I mean, you want to believe the characters and the situation that they're in so they can carry you along on their journey. And when someone doesn't make you believe what's happening is real, it takes you out of it. Right. But like, say, for example, Z watches a movie and if the story is not perfect, it ruins something for him. Right. It takes him out of it. He's not like... Me or you, where we can just be like, I'm with you. Whatever. As right. long as it's consistent, fine. He's like, we, we saw Jurassic World. and Oh, boy. It was, which was a perfectly entertaining movie. Not as good as the first one. Better than the two that followed the first I one. I would hope fucking so. Very entertaining if you don't expect it to be Jurassic Park. Right. It's good. Chris Pratt does a great job with this character. It's not taking itself very seriously. It's not very in-depth. It's, it's really more an action movie. Sure. Fine. Which is cool. kind of what the second Jurassic Park was. I didn't hate the second Jurassic Park. I really didn't. No. You no, know, you've got the one girl who can defeat Velociraptors with gymnastics. I had a problem with that. But other than that, it was fine. The third one was a pile yeah, of shit. It was terrible. Jurassic World was fine. It was perfectly enjoyable. I recommend go see it. But Z hated it. Well, I didn't hate it. Did not like it. Because there were little 
details in the story that catch him up. Right. He's just like, no, but that it wouldn't you can't. No. And (laughs) it's not like I didn't see those things. I was just like, whatever. Moving on. (laughs) Dinosaurs are fighting. That's all I give a shit about. Uh, because that's what I went in for, but he can't do that. So, well, you know, me, I mean, I am definitely, have... I am definitely more in your camp. Uh, yeah. Mainly because I lots of times don't catch plot holes. I'll, I'll be seeing a movie, and if the plot hole is bad enough, I'll have a feeling or a voice in the back of my head. But in my conscious mind, as long as I'm in, like you said, I'm in. I'm in. Um. So yeah, I'm definitely more in your camp. Yeah. It's harder for me to pick out plot holes because as long as you suck me in, I'll go wherever you want to take yeah, me. Yeah, and so I'm not gonna be caught up by them because I'm just not thinking about it like that. Like that's fine. If you don't drop a boom mic in the middle of the right. scene, or suddenly you're wearing different clothes, or you're now a dude when you were a chick in the last scene, or whatever, like it's nothing too glaring. I'm basically I'm with you as long as your acting can get me there. Right. Like your actors have to get me through your plot holes or whatever, right. and I will be fine. Z, not so much. He doesn't care if the acting is not great as long as the story is told correctly. Right. But I think that's something that a lot of us, no matter what we prioritize in movie watching, we kind of overlook a little bit is how vital a score can be. Oh my god, yes. Like, And I think that Jurassic World is strangely a decent example of this. Who doesn't love Jurassic Park? Like, I'm sure there's somebody. Oh, yeah. I think they're probably crazy. Well, and there Jurassic are Park some plot holes in movie. the original Jurassic Park. Absolutely. But... And some of those were from the source material. And yeah. some of them were from what they made up for the movie. But all in all, great, great movie. Really super good. And John Williams' score for that movie is I mean, look, one of the best. One of the reasons, and a lot of people shat on Superman Returns. I did not. I enjoyed that film. But I'll tell you one of the main reasons I enjoyed it. Because when they played John Williams' score, because it was meant to be sort of a sequel to the first two Superman movies, Mm -hmm. they played John Williams' score at the beginning. And it was a beefed-up John Williams' score Mm -hmm. with, you know, the effects of the words flying through space. You had me. It would take a lot to lose me at that point because I actually got chills. Yeah, like, so everybody's seen Jurassic Park and they know what the score for Jurassic Park is. Mm -hmm. And I think anybody who saw Jurassic Park on the big screen the first time can remember what it felt like when we saw the dinosaurs for the first time. Yeah. Like it was very moving and the yes. score certainly helped that. And most well, of those effects still yeah. hold up. Oh God, they're amazing. Animatronics over CGI almost oh, every time. Every single time. As long as they're as well done as that. Right. Uh, so I was watching Jurassic, Jurassic World and they did that exact same thing that Superman Returns you were just talking about. They played the original... John Williams, here we have seen the Brachiosaurus for the first time score. Tears came to my eyes. Like, literally my eyes welled up with tears. Yeah. Like, it's just, there is some emotional memory to that lyric of that score that stirred something. It's vital. It it makes perfect sense to me the way you explain this, because you and I, I think, are more emotional movie watchers as opposed to clinical movie watchers. Typically, and it seems yeah. to me that Zach would be more of a of a of a clinical, almost you know engineer type. Yeah. Point A has to lead to point B to lead to point C, and they have to connect seamlessly and blah 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 blah. Yeah. And he's a writer by trade as opposed to an of actor. Of course. So that makes some sense. By trade, by training, <laughs> yeah. by study, by passion. Well, that's the other thing too. Sometimes training can ruin things for you. You see the 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 way the magician performs the trick. In yeah. other words, and you're sort of like, oh, well, and I mean, it's have... the way that like historians can't watch Braveheart or like because that's not fucking how that went. Well, and uh, it just totally distracts them. We all love Neil deGrasse Tyson, right? Sure. Well, he got in some trouble after he saw the movie Gravity because he enjoyed it. But he did feel like if you're going to portray people in space, here are the points that they missed. And he wasn't yeah. saying it was a shit movie. I've heard him talk right. about it. He really enjoyed it. People jumped all over him, and he had a great comeback for that. He's like, you wouldn't do a Jane Austen movie and then have somebody suddenly show up in like a hoodie and sneakers. Right. Like The costuming has to be accurate, or you yeah. lose the, the, the environment of where you are. So why can't that be the same for space? And I mean, the only reason is because... Uh more people know that nobody wore sneakers in Jane Austen's day than what the fuck goes on in space. Do we? Sadly, <laughs> Do yes. we? 
But I see your point, and you're right. Score is very important. So the fact that you would take something that had a score that clearly uh, worked for it. That was a great score. That set an excellent mood, that absolutely drove the emotions of the movie you were trying to portray mm-hmm. home, and then just, like, fucking put on some Depeche Mode or whatever. You know, <laughs> like, that's just, that doesn't seem okay to me. Well, this is only the tip of the iceberg because this score happens after you've already seen five minutes, which in movie time is an eternity of new footage. And they also played it, of course, as if the new footage was, oh, this is footage they used in the original that got edited out and now you get to see it back in. No. Right. We talked about the re-releases, the Star Wars re-releases. You remember what a big deal it was when Return of the Jedi came out? What was the thing about Return of the Jedi? More Boba Fett. Yeah. Who doesn't love Boba Fett and who didn't feel a little cheated by the amount he was in the first three movies? Yeah. And how quickly he died in the third one. Well, died in quotations. So you're just like, yeah, I want to see more Boba Fett. I don't want to see more Boba Fett just hanging out. Yeah, he's just, you know, over there. there. And, you know, there's a scene from Return of the Jedi that we all know. And then all of a sudden, here's a superimposed Boba Fett walking by, like almost looking at the camera like, I'm here, bitches, and then continuing on. He didn't even yep. have any more lines. It's just like, oh, there's Boba Fett t- turning his head. Yep. Oh, there's Boba Fett having a Coke. You know, yep. That's exactly what it was. There's Boba Fett playing checkers. Like, we didn't want to see more Boba Fett. Right. We wanted more information on the character if we and have wanted, him interact in the world. Like, that's we what we really wanted. wanted what George Lucas gave us in the re-releases, you could have just watched your original version of Return of the Jedi and cut out a Boba Fett sticker and stuck slapped it on, it on your TV yep. and said, look, there's more Boba Fett. That's so pretty that's, much what he did do. That's, well, yeah, exactly. That's sort of the philosophy that I think these guys went into this thing with. People okay. love this zombie. So they just want to see more of him, old and fat. Yeah. It's like, I don't know if in their world the zombies digest food, so maybe he had just eaten somebody, and then in the scenes you don't see him, he had, takes a really good dump, and then when you do see him again, he's all, skinny. he's all skinny and he needs to eat again. Because then, you know, you get into the movie, and for a few minutes you forget that you're watching this abomination. And then every once in a while, through the rest of the movie, they have to remind you, we've got a new character that has nothing to do with anything else that's going on. Or, hey, we've got that zombie that you love, old and and fat, and looks like he may be struggling with walking a little bit more than even a zombie should. So you take the core of what makes something great, and you strip all that away, leave just enough to make people remember how great the original was, and then you just fuck it. I mean, that's basically what they did. I think they actually didn't film anything. I think they actually found an original film reel of Night of the Living Dead. They all cut around it, had a great circle jerk, and then stuck it into a DVD case and sent it out for the masses. Because that's the other thing. It is so disingenuous to go, this is the 30th anniversary of the movie that you love with new footage. Who's not going to buy that? Right. And you think, it's still got George Romero's name on it because he still created the movie. Yep. Why would you think there's anything wrong with that? Well, there's a lot wrong with that. So it's like they just spliced in yes. new, newly filmed crap footage in the middle yes. of – and they didn't – Oh, they did the Boba Fett thing too. They had more zombies, quote-unquote. Okay, so they took, let's say, the original Night of the Living Dead is, just for the sake of argument, it is, let's say, exactly 60 minutes long. Yeah. I mean, I know it's not, but we're saying. It's exactly 60 minutes long. And then they filmed 30 minutes of new footage. Right. Did they then make a 90-minute movie? Like, they didn't cut anything out of the original? They just, uh, they really like, didn't. fucking they jammed really didn't. 30 minutes in, one and two minutes at a time? From what I can remember, there was nothing that different other than the score at the beginning in the original print. It's just all of a sudden, when you would normally cut to a shot of the zombies slowly gathering around the house, because that's what that movie was all about. Right. Slow dread. You've got these people surviving in a house. They're trying to figure out where they can get a- how they can get away. They could have left a long time ago, but there wasn't any gas in the truck. There were only three zombies outside. Then as the night progresses, every time they look out the window, there's more. And right. they're just in the dark, too, so you can't really tell where they are. You just know that at this point, 
we got to get out of here or they're going to tear this place apart. And, of course, that's become a trope of zombie movies now. Yeah. And, you know, it's been a trope for a long time of a lot of different things. But the move, this movie did it so well because the entire time you're watching the movie, you have these extended shots of the survivors in the house arguing about how they're going to survive and what they're going to do and tearing each other apart. And the whole time you're watching it, you're thinking, yeah, but how many of them are outside now? <laughs> and when they do look, there's just more. And since it was black and white and since the darks in that movie are very dark and, you know, these zombies are all fresh. So they're really pale and 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 they, you could just see like some of them in the way in the background of, of the night, almost like ghosts. And they're just slowly making their way to the house. That's what the movie is all about. It's the slow buildup. So not only do you lose that because in the middle of the slow buildup, you're like, what's the preacher doing? Who is has nothing to do with the rest of the story in the house? No, no. I don't even remember what the fuck the preacher was doing, but they kept going back to him. OK, so they just shoehorned a bunch of couple of minutes of non sequitur footage in the middle, breaking all the tension that was that is carefully built up. Exactly what they did. So this is like you're having sex with your girlfriend and it's going really well and things are great. And every four minutes, your mom calls. <laughs> oh, baby, right there, right there. Well, A, in this scenario, would you answer the phone? I wouldn't. But... Well, no, but like your phone's right there and it rings. and you're, It's like your mom's face shows up on your smartphone. It's just like yeah. that's her contact <laughs> picture. And it's just like, oh, honey. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, ah! oh, God. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> Your ringtone is your mother's voice. Yeah. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Oh, God. All right. You know what? I'll just forget about it. I, I can get up again. We can keep going. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. There. I love you. I love you. Is I that love what it's you. Like? <sighs> I would say even worse. I would worse say even that. worse than that. Okay. Because at least I could turn off the phone. Or maybe it's like your mom, who's super like cool and doesn't care at all that you're having sex in her house, like comes maybe. in. Like, honey, do you guys want some sandwiches? <laughs> honey, can I get you guys some soda? And she just like creeps up behind you, whispers to you, you're doing really well. <laughs> I'm pretty sure she's enjoying this. You kids just keep having your fun. Yeah. Like I'm going to make s'mores. Is it like that? Yeah, that's a pretty good that's a pretty good analogy. Oh, I'm almost there. I'm almost there. The s'mores are almost ready. Fuck, man. Although in any realistic scenario at this point, the girl would have been gone long before now. But yes, if you could convince some saint of a woman to hang out through all this so you can finish, because at this point she's not going to orgasm, let's just admit it. Who's just like, yeah, let's just get you there. Then, yeah, it's like that. Any joy that could have been wrung from the original is completely – and it, it really does show you, too, how the slightest change to something can ruin the whole thing. Yeah. Like if I if, – if you told me that Night of the Living Dead was one of the greatest movies ever made, especially as far as the horror genre is concerned, and then plunked this thing down in front of me, <laughs> I would look at you and go, what the fuck are you talking about? Right. Because it's kind of one of those things where, you know, you see some movies that should be great. You ever seen Caligula? Yeah. There are moments of that movie that yeah. make it really good. But you can't make anything great with just a couple of moments. You can't put together a jigsaw puzzle with 50 pieces if it's a 100-piece puzzle. Right. And that's exactly what this is. It's If something doesn't work as a whole, it doesn't work. Yeah. And A, I would go... Why is the filming of this one scene so different than all of the rest of it? Right. It re and it does show you how incompetent these people must have been. Like, George Romero really must have been the driving creative force of that movie because they can't even look at two shots and go, you know, the black and white here doesn't look at all like the black and white two seconds later. You know, or it's even simpler in that they – new and they just didn't give a shit it was cheap to shoot it like that and it meant that they got to make more money because by the time you figured it out you've already bought it right exactly exactly which is a shitty thing to do and i it's hate a terrible it. thing People to do, do well that. and that's like, why you know south park made such a beautiful argument against the star wars re-releases by saying you may not be happy with it but now that you've released it it's ours yeah and i think sometimes you have to live with what you feel your mistakes are 
once you know something has been embraced by people that truly love it. Yeah. You think Leonardo da Vinci was ever 100% happy with the Mona Lisa? Probably not. Every time he saw it, he was probably like, mm, I should have given her eyebrows. Well, he did. <laughs> I mean, not to nitpick, but she had eyebrows and it's just like centuries of. Well, I should have given her eyebrows that would last for a few hundred years. Yes, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Draw those on a little bit more. You know, no. He may have thought that, but no artist is 100% happy with their work. There's a great commercial. I don't know if you remember this commercial from the 90s, right before cell phones got cameras, I guess, because it was still a commercial for disposable cameras and picking up your film at a photo lab. See kids, photo labs (laughs) were these things. That would give you pictures that you took. I know. It's weird. There's this great commercial for Kodak or something. See, kids, Kodak (laughs) made cameras where uh, Martin Scorsese comes in to pick up some pictures of his nephew's birthday party. And it's really Martin Scorsese. Yes, I remember. He looks through the pictures and every picture he's like, oh, God, the composition is so bad in this picture. Oh, my God. What was I thinking? He, like, yeah. shows one to the, you know, pimply-faced geek behind the counter. And it's like, what do, what do you think of this? You think this is a good shot? And the kid's like, I don't know. Yeah, you're right. It stinks. He's like, ugh. I, I, I've lost it. I've completely lost it. You know, and he calls up his nephew and walks out there. Timmy, how do you feel about turning 10 again? And it's a beautiful statement that yeah. someone is talented. And you cannot deny the man has made some of the greatest American movies ever made. Oh, not at all. Like, I think Goodfellas is pretty much a perfect movie. Taxi Driver is pretty much a perfect movie. Raging Bull. That that guy probably looks at those things and goes, oh, fuck. So I guess my point is, you may not be satisfied with it. And I get the frustration in that as an artist. But especially when you have been reassured by the world that it's a work of art and should be untouched. That you can't go back and fuck with it. You could do something else. You could do something similar. You can try and right some of your wrongs somewhere else. But you shouldn't go back and fuck with it. Yeah. And, yeah, these people then have no sense of art, have no sense of... And what does that story add to the overall story of Night of the Living Dead? They're uh, undercurrents of the social justice. You know, the, the it was the late 60s, so there were definitely undercurrents of the whole movie, especially when you have your lead character as a black man which you know i don't think they even realized when they started filming that they were trying to make a statement they just knew the guy and liked the guy and casted him but it became a movie with an undercurrent because you know spoilers for night of the living dead but he's the last survivor of this house and at the last second of the movie some rednecks see him think he's a zombie shoot him right in the head kill him and then these beautiful like stark old photographic like civil rights era pictures show what they do to his body because after you kill the zombies you gotta burn them mm-hmm. and it's a it's so disturbing like there are moments of the original night of the living dead that it took me years to get to the point where i could watch it without fast forwarding through them okay and for a movie from that era that's says a lot yeah so don't fuck with it <laughs> and the thing, i don't remember if they kept that end credit sequence where you see him burn in the in the anniversary, but didn't matter at that point because the entire building tension and undercurrent of that movie was already destroyed. Well, I mean, to me, that says less that we didn't like it. We thought it could be better. We would like to release this improved version and more. Hey, we would like extra money. Yeah, exactly. You know, this is the only good thing we ever did or ever even had a part of. It is kind of like that thing where you wonder if on the set of the original movie that George Lucas was just trying to be, I mean, excuse me, George Romero was just trying to be nice and let his friends take some of the credit for all of his artistic decisions. Like, hey, George, what if, um, what if uh, maybe some of the zombies can talk? No, I don't think that's a good idea. Okay. Hey, George, you know what would be cool here? A sword fight on the roof of the house. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. So then he realized maybe that they were talentless hacks, but was like, ah, they're buddies. He never made another movie with them. Sure. <laughs> At least most of those guys he didn't. So this must have been the one good thing they ever had anything to do with. Their kids are probably terrible. They're like, God damn it, I can't even create a child. 
<laughs> so like what, what we had a hand in that night of the living dead because you know that's the other thing too in the arts denial can be very powerful and you can look at a piece of shit as if it's laced with gold and descended yeah. from the heavens and convince yourself hello you people that it's the most brilliant thing ever and fuck fuck Uwe Boll by the way <laughs> since you brought him up fuck him. we'll get to him on another nerd rage but yeah, I mean, that's the thing, though. But that guy thinks his movies are genius, and you oh can't tell him different. Did you see... I'm not going to go off on a tangent. No, I no, just no. want to know. Did you see when he went... He nerd-raged over no one funding his Kickstarter to make another <laughs> horrible video game movie? No, I didn't see that. I heard, yeah. I heard about it. I did not watch the video. Had I a couldn't. Kickstarter. Nobody funded it. And he <laughs> just lost his already mostly insane little mind that is sad isn't it when you can raise two million dollars for a video game in like an hour and this poor guy can't get a few hundred thousand to make a That's shitty not movie. sad that tells me nerds are discerning i mean it, it's sad <laughs> for him i don't give a shit things can be sad for him fuck him oh i know but that we should reserve that for another nerd rage but yes yeah. this is what i'm raging about and this is what i think is one of the worst things ever done to cinema is what these guys did to this movie and that it's out there forever that's the other thing about film. Like, I can understand being an actor and not wanting to do film. Because at least if you're doing a play, if you think, man, I'm just not getting this, you can make changes. Yeah. But film is forever. Yes. At least as long as the human civilization will be around. And I don't want that to be the only thing left after the apocalypse when aliens finally land on this hunk of rock and go, what's representative of the culture that used to be here? Oh, my God. Why does that zombie look so different from one shot to the next? I don't want that to be the last remaining piece of humanity. And it could be now. No. Somebody could have a copy not. of that down in some bunker that survives the nuclear fallout. Yeah, I doubt it. And millions of years from now, somebody finds it next to Haley Joel Osment and goes, oh, Wow, this is representative of mankind. I don't want that. Well, you'll be dead. Who cares? I will know. I will you know. You will know. I will come you... back as a fat old version of myself. <laughs> With crappy synthesizer music. With crappy synthesizer music. I'll come out of the ground. You know, like those great scenes in fucking Thriller when the zombies are coming out of the ground and the spooky music is playing. You'll see me peeling out of the ground. Go ahead and jump. Uh. It's a piece of shit. That and the thing terrible. is, as I was researching it, because it has been years since I've seen it, and God knows I was not going to sit down and watch this hunk <laughs> of shit again to try and jog my memory. I mean, I don't think I've ever been sexually assaulted, but I would rather remember that. Give me that memory over this one. I pulled it up in Google uh, to just r refresh myself as the names of the producers and everything. And I saw that it had a four point something star rating. And I went, what? That's impossible. And these are all from Amazon. You know how you can review. Yeah. And, you know, the funny thing about Amazon, and I actually found some material for the next Bearded Ones from this because I, for a little while, reviewed quote unquote movies on Amazon. They want you to review the product. Mm -hmm. Hey, did it get here on time? Was it in yeah. good condition? Right. But people like me, who was too self-important, decided I'm going to be Roger Ebert. So yes. that's where they compiled the average rating for this movie. And I just stared in horror and thought, no one could think this is good. So I pull up the first review, a five-star review in the most helpful customer reviews of the Night of the Living Dead 30th edition. And I'm going, I think I'm going to kill myself. Humanity is lost <laughs> until I read the title. Beware, stay away from the 30th anniversary edition. Okay. By Michael K. Bush, B-E-U-S-C-H, Bush. The five-star rating I gave Night of the Living Dead is, of course, for the original, uncut, unadulterated edition. The original is quite simply the most terrifying movie I've ever seen, even when compared to horror classics like Diabolique, Psycho, Rosemary's Baby, Halloween, and The Shining. I saw Night of the Living Dead when I was nine. Uh, I had nightmares for the next two nights. The film still gives me chills whenever I see it. When the 30th anniversary edition came out, I bought it on VHS as I was curious to see what they termed as new footage. 
What I got was a horrible mess that butchered the original film, removed the original music for a terrible synthesizer score, and added pointless footage that makes the viewer want to grind his teeth down to the gums. One of the additions is a new character, a fire and brimstone preacher. While the acting in the original is amateurish, at best the quote-unquote actor who plays the preacher makes the original cast look like Oscar winners by comparison. He snarls and howls and gnashes his teeth like he has rabies, Even more ridiculous is the extra footage of Bill Hinsman, the cemetery zombie in the original. The extra footage shows Hinsman's character emerging from the grave, then cuts to the original 1968 opening footage with Judith O'Day and Russell Striner. It's absolutely ridiculous as Hinsman looks 30 years older in the new footage. In addition, there are more zombies and a new ending to the film that makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah, that's the other thing. That beautiful ending Mm -hmm. where, you know, the hero of the movie loses and dies after yep. surviving all this. I don't remember exactly what the ending was, but they go back to the fucking preacher for the really? final ending. Okay. This new version is a piece of trash that desecrates the most frightening film of all time. Avoid it like the plague. And you're sure you didn't write that. <laughs> I wish I did. See, one of the reasons I went to Amazon is because I thought I may have. But then I think I was about, if I remember correctly, this was a long time ago, I was about to write one, and that's when I realized, oh, this isn't for actual movie reviews, this is for product reviews, so that's when I stopped doing it. Uh, Next review, five stars. This review pertains only to the Millennium Edition DVD of Night of the Living Dead. So he's not talking about the 30th anniversary edition. I think what happens is Amazon can't discern what the reviews are for. So if you say, I give Night of the Living Dead five stars, it lumps it in with all the Night of the Living Dead movie products. So I actually found some reviews. I think it's this one. Uh, Somebody in one of these reviews clarified that they had to go back and re-edit their review. Yes, here we go. Okay, as I'd feared, my negative review of the John Russo Massacred 30th Anniversary Edition of Night of the Living Dead has been lumped unwittingly into this product's review, so I'm writing this one to clarify. So maybe it doesn't happen every time, okay. but sometimes the system just can't discern it and puts it in. So the most disingenuous five-star or four-and-a-half-star review uh, ever is this piece of shit because – they're actually all talking about a different movie. The good one. The real one. Okay. I, I can only use this word in the purest sense. I am not meaning to be offensive in any way, shape, or form. Anyone that likes this version of the movie. Anyone. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're the Pope. You are retarded. <laughs> you have no common sense whatsoever. You know nothing about anything that's good. And I mean anything. I don't care if you cooked the best meal for me I've ever had as I was finishing. If you said, by the way, wasn't that 30th anniversary version of the Night of the Living Dead with all the extra footage really good? I would vomit everything you just given me back up onto your plate because I would realize that I can't know what good food is if you think this piece of shit is worth any quality whatsoever. Then you don't know what good is. You simply don't. It is the worst thing I've ever seen, mainly because I've seen that we've both seen a ton of bad movies, but you can't take something that was great and make it awful. You just can't. That is a travesty. That is the one thing you cannot do. I mean, you can if you just want to make it. You can. Don't give a shit about artistic integrity or your customers. I mean, what's the best fucking what people say is the best American film, possibly the best film ever made, Citizen Kane? Sure. Take that and edit in some footage of, you know, someone else playing Charles Foster Kane uh, going down a slip and slide with the neighborhood kids and they're all terrible actors. Yeah. And just sprinkle that throughout the entire movie. Yeah. Or not even Charles Foster Kane. Have fucking Charles Foster Kane's retarded cousin. Yeah. That you want to be a character in the movie. And in the middle of that beautiful scene where he rips his office apart because he's so angry, all of a sudden cut to his retarded cousin on a unicycle, just staring awkwardly at the camera, and then go back and finish the scene where he's tearing up his office. Yep. That's what it is. David Lynch Honey, could do that. Honey, do you away. need some sandwiches? <laughs> the s'mores are almost ready. You're doing great. Yeah. Just, you keep pumping away. 
That's pretty pathetic. She, you're doing it doggy style so she can't see me. I'm pretty sure she doesn't know I'm here. <laughs> I just wanted to give you some encouragement. <laughs> and then she leans over and pats your girlfriend on the head. Good job, sweetie. Good job. You just you're a trooper. It. Take it like a trooper, girl. Oh, God. You should push your face more into the pillow so she can't hear me. I'll, I'll never have enough time to express how much this angers me, but I don't know what else I could say to illustrate how awful this is. No, I think you've illustrated it pretty clearly. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I can't believe this is going to end up being one of our shortest episodes, but I, I mean, sometimes it's the the, the ferocity that, that gets you to the anger and expels it from your body the, the fastest, yep. is the purest. Although, you know, I really need somebody to talk me down now. So you need some brain bleach? Yeah, please. I don't have any brain bleach. I didn't well, know that I would need brain bleach, so I didn't prepare I've any. I've been dealing with this for so long. I've just gotten used to living day to day. Yeah, I mean, it, it gets easier over time, I imagine. That's what they say, but the colors have lost their luster. Yeah. Food doesn't taste as good. I pretend to smile. But inside, I don't feel anything anymore. I hear pot's good for that. Oh, okay. I know somebody in the neighborhood that, that uses some. I'll ask them for a joint. Well, there you go. Anyway, we hope you have enjoyed this last hour of absolute just bile-spewing hatred. And I hope everyone involved with this re-release dies horribly in various ways. I think that's all I got. Carissa, but I can't possibly. No, I can't possibly add to that. That was that was pretty brilliant. Thank you, thank you. I'm brilliant in my hatred. Yeah. Now, if you guys have enjoyed this podcast at all, we would like you to share it with your friends. Also, let you know we are on Stitcher now, and Stitcher allows you to rate and review. But you can give us a review. You can give us a five star review on Stitcher. That really helps. And then you can say anything you want. It doesn't matter what you say in your review as long as we get five stars. Yeah, you can be like, tits or GTFO, or yeah. shut the fuck up, nerds. Yeah, or, totally. Uh, you go to hell, you go to hell and you die. You and you die. Or, I believe some of your points were inaccurately stated. Thank you, character I ripped off from The Simpsons. Yeah, totally. Um, oh, so, hey, can I give a quick shout out to a podcast that I like, but we oh, haven't, we're not like affiliated with them please or whatever? Do. But ran across, thanks to Reddit, and Reddit's subreddit, our podcasts, came across Wikishuffle, the Wikishuffle podcast, where three British dudes hit shuffle or random article on Wikipedia and talk for like half an hour about whatever comes up. Yeah, I really and like that concept. That's a very freaking cool hilarious. Concept. I've been going through their archive. They're great. And I recommend if you are at all an Anglophile like myself or kind of a trivia nerd like myself, or just kind of like to hear people talk about randomness and have a good time with it. If you the do, I mean, out. if you've gotten this far in listening to our podcast, you must be one of those people. Yeah, or you're a friend of mine and you are very sweet. That's true, too. <laughs> to suffer through all of this. Right. <laughs> She's going to have to take you out to dinner or something. Yeah. Um, Tits are GTFO. Yeah. What is GTFO again? Get the fuck out. Tits are get the fuck out. Yeah. Oh, you mean like, get the fuck out! No, like, show me your tits or leave. Oh, I get it. That's nice. I'm going to start saying that. Don't. <laughs> it can't hurt me any more than my normal flirtation does. You know what? We'll have a session. We'll have a session, a podcast session on internet jargon, and I'll bring you up to speed. Yeah, you really you need to. That could be that. your geek passion, uh, because I... I as we've as as I've expressed before, internet jargon is completely above my head. We can totally do that because seriously, you can trust me. I'm from the internet. I know. I'm not even sure if I'm talking to a real person. This could be one of those her type situations where I'm Joaquin and you are Scarlet. No, it's totally not like that at all. I'm just gonna take your word for it okay. and sleep with the microphone on the pillow next to me and pretend <laughs> that we're talking when I go to sleep tonight. Okay, that sounds. People look at me weird when I go to restaurants and order two meals, and it's just me eating and smiling at a microphone on the other side of the table that's now covered in mashed potatoes. Are you not hungry? Eat.
don't worry about your weight. You'll always be skinny to me. But anyway, thank you guys for listening. Um, like I said, review us on Stitcher. Check out the the network that we're on, Bearded Pods Network, and the other great podcasts on there, including Teddy and the Baseman, featuring our friends Trevor Furlong and his lovely wife Tracy, as they talk about everything under the sun. And of course, the parent podcast to it all, the brilliance that is the Bearded Ones podcast, no affiliation. Except totally Except affiliation. Except the fact that I created it and co-hosted it. But, hey, that doesn't mean it has to be affiliated in any way with this one. It does, however, mean that it's the best podcast in the history of podcasts. Uh, The only podcast that this podcast is second to. Yeah. Or at least on par with. On par with. Yeah. So we hope you guys have enjoyed. Thank you very much. Next week, it'll be Carissa's turn to geek out about something and teach me a thing or two. But also... Since we are doing these periodic nerd rages, we just want to go ahead and build some suspense. Because at some point, we will be getting to the Star Wars prequels. Yeah, it's going to be good. It's going to be epic. So, until next time, thank you guys for listening. And I hope you got lucky tonight. Good night, nerds. Thank you for being a part of the Lucky 10,000 with your hosts, Evan and Carissa. Email us at lucky10,000 at gmail.com. Find Lucky 10,000 on Twitter at lucky underscore 10k. And visit our podcast network site at beardedpodsnetwork.com.